Hello everyone. If you're like us over here at GBNF, you are probably a follower and avid listener to anything true crime. And you know that at times everything can start to feel the same. We are always looking for new takes on some of the stories that we know so well. That is why we are excited that this week's podcast is being sponsored by Military True Crime Attic, a podcast that looks at the military history of serial killers. Did you know that serial killers like the Son of Sam, the Green River Killer, Jeffrey Dahmer, the Toy Box Killer, and so many more all had a military background? Check out Military True Crime Attic wherever you take in your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Military True Crime Addict, a podcast focusing on true life events of military personnel, veterans, and those associated with the military. Give a voice to the victims and hear their side of the story, raise awareness of the heinous crimes, and support those most impacted. Military True Crime Addict is available wherever you get your podcasts, and you don't need to know anything about the military to listen. Now, back to the show. Welcome to episode number seven of Gone But Never Forgotten. We hope that this episode, as always, finds you well. Two weeks ago, we covered the case of the Black Dahlia murder, one of the most famous unsolved murders in North America. This week, we return home, back to Canada, back to Ontario, to cover the story of two young women who went missing in the 1980s and have never turned up or made themselves known. But before we get to all that, I do have to mention that this week we are without my lovely co-host and wife as she recovers from her second COVID vaccine and all of the fun side effects that come with it. Before we get started, I also want to mention off the top the ad that you heard at the beginning of the podcast. We here at GBNF want to give a huge shout out to the Military True Crime Addict podcast. As mentioned in the lead to their ad, this podcast takes a unique look at true crime and how the culprits and stories intertwine with the military. David does a wonderful job conveying things in a way that has perhaps been underreported in the past. Take the time to give the podcast a listen and show some support to David and the Military True Crime Addict podcast. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to business. This week's podcast is a little bit different than any that we have done in the past in that it will center on two different people who knew one another, who are believed to have disappeared together, and by many, it's believed that they are living their lives currently under different names. This is the story of two young women who seem to have some similarities in their stories and both of whom went missing in 1983. 
This is an interesting one, to say the least, in that it has puzzled friends, family, and true crime buffs for many, many years. Darlene Tucker and Ginesina, also known as Jan Stonehouse, were both in similar situations when they went missing back in February and August of 1983, respectively. Both girls had recently been fighting with members of their families because both girls had found out not long before their disappearances that they were pregnant. Darlene Tucker was a grade 10 student who was attending General Wolf High School in Oakville. When Darlene came home and told her mom that she was pregnant, reports say that the two became embattled in a fight and Darlene fled the home on Valentine's Day, February 14, 1983. Darlene stayed with a boyfriend that she had in Oakville for a few weeks, but later fled that house as well when she and her boyfriend got into a fight about another guy that she was reportedly dating from Toronto. Nobody knows for certain what Darlene's next move was, though general consensus seems to be that she would have went to Toronto and was staying with the other male after she fled from her boyfriend's house. One strange thing was that when the missing persons report was officially filed with the Halton Regional Police, it was not Darlene's family that made the call, but rather the father of her boyfriend back in Oakville. In the months following Darlene's disappearance, she did make many collect phone calls to her mother in Oakville from a payphone in Huntsville, Ontario. Six months later, almost to the day on August 8, 1983, Jan Stonehouse disappeared from her home in Oakville, Ontario. Also pregnant at the age of 16, at the time of Jan's disappearance, her mom was in the hospital and unfortunately her mom passed away shortly after Jan left. Jan had a history of running away from home though, but her father became increasingly concerned when Jan did not return home for her mother's funeral. It is believed by the authorities involved that the two girls and their cases were in fact connected, as they were known to one another. Also, in 1987, there was a confirmed case of the two being cited together in either Halliburton or Huntsville, depending which article that you read. It is believed that they may have been in the area because Jan's family had owned a trailer in Huntsville, so the area was very well known to her. This was the last official and confirmed sighting of the two girls. Also, of note, to be a confirmed sighting, that means that someone that knew the girls would have had to speak with them. That is the only way that a situation can be confirmed to have been the missing person and not just a sighting. This case is interesting because from the very outset, Jan and Darlene's cases were both looked at as voluntary missing persons cases. That obviously means that they were known to have made the decision to leave and they were not home because they chose not to return. As many of us know, there are many reasons to run away from home, so we will not pretend to know why both girls left home, but it definitely looks like pregnancy in both cases could at least be a part of the reason. Even though it is common for people to leave home at a young age in this way, what is strange is that neither woman has had contact with anyone now for over 30 years. 
one of the strangest parts of all of this is that Darlene actually had a trust fund that was opened up to her when she was 18 years old, and there has never been any attempt for her to claim that. There is, however, a lot of things involved in this situation that give us some cause and pause for concern. The fact that neither one of these girls seems to be really hiding away from plain sight at first when they left home shows that they were not necessarily avoiding the police or their families or anything like that. that the reason that that does bring concern is that neither one of them has been reported as being seen or having made any contact with anyone that knew them anywhere since 1987. It does lead one to wonder if something may have happened to the two of them in the time between then and now. A lot of things can obviously happen in 34 years. Conversely though, Jan and Darlene would not be the first two people to just decide that they're going to take on new names, take on new lives, and just leave everything behind them from their past lives. In our research, there was nothing to really point to the fact that they had a reason to run away and stay away. There does not seem to have been any imminent danger to either girl, or at least nothing that we were able to find. Obviously, there is the similarities of pregnancy, and that can open the lines of thought in one direction or the polar opposite direction. Perhaps these two young women both felt that they needed to run away because they were pregnant and their families did not, or they gathered that they would not support them. But on the flip side of that, depending on family makeup and beliefs, there is the chance that they thought that they would want to keep their babies and their family would not support that decision. This is why it is not generally a good idea to try and make your own assumptions in cases like this. Facts are always better than unfounded thoughts when following the clues. Some may be thinking that perhaps since both women would be in their 50s now, that perhaps the police know where the two are and have just given them privacy, if asked. The issue there, though, is that both cases are still considered to be endangered missing, which means that they likely have not had that kind of contact to ask them to keep their whereabouts private. Usually, in cases like this, the authorities will reach out to the family to let them know that their loved one is safe, but they do not wish to be in contact. That has not happened in this case, as they are still both officially listed as missing, and Darlene's family continues to publicly search for her to this day. Jan's family has sadly passed away. Jan's real name is Genesina. She was born September 23, 1966. She was listed as a white female, five foot four, 110 pounds with wavy blonde shoulder length hair at the time of her disappearance. She had had four of her teeth treated, one for partial nerve damage. Darlene was born on October 8th, 1966. She was listed as a white female, five foot two, 119 pounds with brown hair and blue hazel eyes at the time of her disappearance. She has a gap between her two front teeth and a scar on her right eyebrow and her right knee. She also had allergies that would cause her hands to break out in blisters. 
In recent years, internet sleuths have tried using social media to see if they could possibly track down Darlene and Jan. There have been a couple of different cases where people found a Jan on Facebook who looked like Jan Stonehouse, and Jan was also friends with a girl named Darlene who looked a lot like Darlene Tucker. Unfortunately, nothing came out of either one of those situations. Both of these women have people that would love to have closure on their story, whether it is family, friends, or people like us telling their story and trying to find closure on stories that we come across. People go missing every day, and it's crazy how often that people do not get closure and disappearances remain exactly that disappearances. In this case, much like every case that we cover, we cannot stress enough how much closure can do for people. The sad reality is that closure is what is of utmost importance in situations like this. Even if either of these women did become victims at some point, that would almost be better for anyone to just, than to just not know what happened to them. I cannot imagine the feeling of knowing that your child walked away one day and just never came back. Every day would be filled with more questions than answers, and every day would bring so much stress, anxiety, and sadness if that happened to me. I definitely think that I would just want to know at that point what happened, regardless of how great or terrible the news. As a true crime fan, my mind definitely goes to a lot of the worst places. I would constantly be wondering about things like cults, human trafficking, and other horrible things. Not to mention serial killers and things like that. My mind would always be spinning. All of that to say, Jan and Darlene, if you are listening to this episode, let someone know that you are alright. Let someone know that you are alive and well and just wish to be left alone. I would love to write a conclusion episode in the future where we can at least say that things ended wonderfully and that this was just the case of two people starting a new life. If you are out there listening and you know that either one of these women are alive and well today, let someone know. Anyone with information about Tucker or Stonehouse can contact Halton Police at 905-825-4747, extension 8760. Or you can call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS. That's 1-800-222-8477. You can also report information anonymously at missingkids.ca or by calling the organization at 1-866-543-8477. With that, we will remind you to reach out to us at gbnfpod at gmail.com, facebook.com forward slash gbnfpodcast, twitter at gbnfpodcast, or on Instagram at gbnfpod. Let us know what you think of our episodes. Let us know what you don't like. Send us your show ideas. We love to hear from our fans. We also want to send an extra special thank you this week out to Monica Weldon, who designed our new logo for us. We are so proud to see that upgrade.
please come check us out at patreon.com forward slash GBMF podcast and show us some support if you feel so inclined. We will be adding new tiers with merch in the very near future. Thank you for listening to Gone But Never Forgotten. Have a great couple of weeks and we'll talk to you next time.